Welcome to a weekly look at all things high school sports around the South Plains. Powered by the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. Here's the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. Hey everybody and welcome to another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. I'm Alexis Cubitt, the high school sports writer at the Lubbock Avalanche Journal. And of course, I'm joined by KLBK Sports Director Ryan King. Ryan, we are down to four high school football teams. This is crazy to even think about because we're that deep into um, winter. It's December 14th. We're filming the first segment of this. Um, So we'll just get right into it. I think the coolest thing, though, about the fact that we only have four teams left is that half of them are playing for state championship this week. Um, one of which is playing for their first ever Kingdom Prep Taps uh, Six Man Division Three State Championship against Summit Christian on Friday in my old stomping grounds, uh, Hewitt Waco area um, at Midway High School. Used to spend a lot of time at that uh, Midway Panther Stadium, and then we have Post was playing for their second ever state championship against Shiner. On Thursday, it's an early game, 11 a.m. Um, at AT&T Stadium, a.k.a. Jerry World. Um, they were there last year against Refugio. So a little bit of a little bit of revenge, I guess you could say. They're, they're wanting to, to right that uh, perceived wrong. Um, but we'll just kind of go over how they got here. Um, Kingdom Prep actually beat Wichita Falls Christian a second time which we all kind of eyed that one because they had just beaten Abilene Christian, who uh, was their only loss. And so you think, okay, is Wichita Falls Christian going to get their revenge this week like Kingdom Prep did? But Kingdom Prep held on and and got a win, and now they're off making history. Yeah. It's so tough whenever you get this far in the playoffs to actually know if someone will – you know, actually make that step to the semis, to the championship. But – they've been a great team all season. And once you beat the only team that beat you, I mean, the sky's the limit at that point. And and in this one, it was a tough game, but 35 to 14 feels about right. I mean, they, they were the better team than Wichita Christian. So to see them in the state championship for the first time ever, that really is awesome. Like that's, that's really cool for, for the Warriors. And just to see they've taken those steps as a program, like we've been talking about these last few weeks, but this is a real step. I mean, to go to the state championship, this is a step. This is a this is the goal. I mean, yeah. <laughs> they're now one game away on Saturday from getting that state championship. They've they've already made history by getting there for the first time. Now, if they could win it, I mean, what that would do for it is funny. Post plays Thursday, so they would be the first uh, eleven man state title in ten years. But uh, Kingdom Prep has a chance as well. Where you know whether Post wins or loses, they could be the second one or first, whatever. But they both have chance to make history, and it's really cool for them. It's really cool. I got to talk to Coach Klein last week and just see how this senior class has built them, how that community's really rallied around them. And they they are really having a special season and doing something special uh, at Kingdom Prep. And I think it's really showing those are dominant quarterfinals and semifinals wins. I mean, those mm-hmm. are – win by 21 in the state semis. You win by God, whatever it was, 30-something, I believe, in the quarterfinals. Yep. It's, uh, it's, imp- it's impressive to see what they've done. And it's, it's, re- it's really good to see a program built that way, you know? Yeah. I think the, th- the cool thing also too, is that this has been a very different season. Like 
I don't even want to say it's been a really terrible season because like good things happened to it happened during it, obviously, uh, with schools like Kingdom Prep and even, you know, Trinity Christian making history, Coronado, which we'll get to finishing the regular season undefeated and still alive in the playoffs. Um, so there have been, and then even in our small schools, you know, Shallow Water and Idaloo and, and Roosevelt. And so there have been good things that have come out of it. It's just, it's been a very different season. And I think when we see those type of things kind of come about, it makes it a little better just because, you know, it's like there's chaos and it's unprecedented times and we don't know what's going to happen week to week, but just that little bit of, you have to hold on where you can get it, you know? Um, And so it's been really cool to see that uh, for Kingdom Prep, like you mentioned, they got that 35 to 14 win over um, Wichita Christian, just a couple stat lines that um, I'd like to mention Samuel Griffith, um, 16 carries for 133 yards and four touchdowns, then went uh, 10 for 15 passing for 173 yards. Then on defense, um, he had 10 tackles. Then at halftime, or I'm sorry, yeah, 10 tackles, had a fumble recovery, and then saved a cat from a tree during halftime. He was just doing everything in that game. Um, but it's just really cool, and I, I, we've talked about this before, how um, their depth has really shown and how they have – you know, multiple guys who can who can be that person um, in any game. Like McKellen Bundy was that guy at one point, Ben Lashaway, Justin Cunningham. They just have so many different players. And I think that's what's really helped them get to this point. And you need that, especially at six man, you know, um, because, I mean, I just said, what, four or five names? I mean, that's the whole <laughs> – everybody that takes the field. Yeah. Um, and so I think when you can do something like that, that just – it spells success and obviously it has for them and, you know, they're going to have the opportunity to go play for a state and, you know, they'll be ready. And it's just really exciting um, for them to, to get that opportunity and um, have that chance. Yeah. I mean, if you hit there, you do hear the same names over and over, but it's not one or two guys, which honestly in the six man level, it's very similar with Borden County where, mm-hmm. Sometimes at 11-man places, you only hear, like, one or two names over and over doing all the score. And you would expect at six-man to be very similar, but it's not. Like, Kingdom right. Prep has, I mean, yeah, four or five, six guys you will hear routinely going through scoring, getting turnovers. It's impressive mm-hmm. um, to really see what they do. And it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's really cool uh, to see how many kids they have where even the, they lost guys off last year's senior. Like, they had a right. senior off last year that had talent on it. Yeah. And just to see the guys that are still there now – and Coach uh, Klein was saying last week how this is his first full senior class. You know, this is um, – this. these are the kids that have uh, – he's had a lot of kids buy in, but the ones that he's seen as freshmen grow. Right, and, go through the system. Yeah, you know, like how bad we were his first year there. When they when they were freshmen here, we were not good. Like you were saying that, but look where they are now. Like they could be a state championship team, and that just shows you put the work in, you put the time in, look what can happen. And it is right. really cool for all those kids that you hear every game. Yeah, you hear – you, you'll hear Lashway, Cunningham, uh, just, it's the same names over and over. And, over, and it's just – it shows the talent and depth that team has, especially for a six-man. Like, you have five or six guys you routinely say on an 11-man team, you would say they're deep. On a six-man, I mean, that's like a, a whole starting cast and have probably a few backups that are legit players. Yeah, for sure. And then just looking at their, their upcoming opponent, Summit Christian, they are a one-loss team. Uh, their only loss was to Heritage Christian – of Fredericksburg um, on October 9th. So they haven't lost in a while. Um, and then they beat 
St. Joseph Catholic of Bryan, 64 to 37 to get to this point. I'm sorry, excuse me. They beat Heritage Christian, um, 76 to 52 to get to this point. St. Joseph Catholic was the round before, and they won 64 to 37. So uh, I think it's safe to say we'll see a lot of scoring <laughs> in that game. Um, it'll just be an exciting, an exciting one to to look at. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's tough to know the opponents in these type of matches. You know, when you look at who they're going to play in each round, it hasn't been as tough these last couple rounds because they've been uh, playing teams they've already played. So we have right. something to pull back on there. Uh, but, yeah, it should be an exciting game. I mean, anytime you get a state championship like that, you look at the records. I don't put as much uh, stock in the rankings when you look down at the TAPS level. I think there's too much variance there. But, uh, yeah, it, it's going to be it, – it, I think it's – it's such a big thing for Kingdom Prep, win or lose. I mean, obviously you'd rather win, but like that's such a big thing, win or lose, for them to appear in this game mm-hmm. and just see what happens. I mean, they've been dominant enough. They have the talent, uh, and maybe they can bring that state championship back to West Texas. Yeah. Speaking of which, we have another one that we mentioned that, that might want to do that first um, with Post. Man, just this is a team that we've talked about all season, uh, just dominating – crazy in different ways um having that depth that we talked about they'll be playing for a state championship for their second straight year against shiner um who actually beat perfurio uh two weeks ago i think it was, yeah, it was in the re- regional final state quarters whatever you want to call yeah. it yeah and so obviously that being post only lost you know in our minds it's like okay well the only team that got in post way is now out but you now have to um figure out, okay, what was it, what did Shiner do that we didn't do um, if you're post? Um, and so that, I think that'll be a fun game, but just kind of looking back, they beat Crawford was at 28 to 14. Um, it's a fun game to listen to. I actually had, I wasn't able to go obviously being in Brownwood, but uh, listen to it. And for a minute there, you know, Crawford had a chance. Crawford almost looked like they could, you know, crack the code and, and maybe uh, upset post. But, I mean, I think I think that win is probably one of the most impressive they've had all season because um, even though, yeah, it's not easy to blow out a team, you get to a point where it's just like, okay, we're kind of coasting. But they had to play all four quarters. It came down to the last seconds where I think it was like a – um, a late turnover, late interception. I think maybe it was Nathan who had the interception um, late. They drive, score again to kind of put the game away to keep Crawford um, within some distance, created some separation. So I just I think that's the kind of win that you'd want more so than a you know a fifty to zero or a sixty two to twelve kind of win going into the state championship game because you now have proven something to yourself. You have that grit. You have that, that power and that determination. Um, and I think they're definitely going to be determined when they, they uh, get to Jerry World and have to go up against Shiner. I think they've had their three most impressive victories in the last three weeks, which obviously has been the playoffs, but they've all been very different ways. True. Number nine panhandle is 60 to nothing. Have a complete domination, start to finish, offense, defense, everything. Complete mm-hmm. domination. Then you had Cisco. Uh, and that was a neutral site at Cooper. Cisco, neutral site all the way at ACU. So, you know, further away. 
Mm-hmm. And that one was a different one where it ended up being 33-0, so they ended up winning comfortably. But it was 7-0 late in the second quarter, and then a punt return was 14-0. And then in the second half, they scored early, and it kind of opened up after that. Um, but another one that they were close, and they ended up pulling away a different way of winning. And then, yeah, this one where they were tight the entire way. I mean, it was 21-14 to until Nathan McDaniel pulls off uh, that interception. Um, you know, it's he bats the ball, intercepts it. it and what's, what's lost on that drive, so it was third and one on, like, the mm-hmm. six or whatever it was. The post defense not only stops the run, they actually lose a yard, uh, Crawford does. So then it becomes fourth and two from the seven. They right. roll out, McDaniel tips up, intercepts it. That is two very, very impressive stands by the defense there. And actually to get the turnover, which, you know, six and one, half dozen the other. If it falls to the ground, it's a turnover anyway. But still to make that play in a moment like that, still very impressive. Yeah. Um, and I- and, and that's what you'd want. You know, you'd, you'd want – don't give up on the play, you know, no matter what happens. And I think that that's been their, their key. It's just they, they don't quit. <laughs> They're going to keep going. And, you know, even, like you mentioned, obviously got up 60-0 against Panhandle in the third quarter. I mean, they never quit, you know, in the second half. They just maybe kind of eased up because of sportsmanship, you know. Yeah. But, I mean, it's not like Panhandle really – got in it, you know, so they always kept the momentum. It was just a matter of like, like I said, being a good sport. That was 60 to nothing and a half. It could have been 120 to zero if Post wanted it to. Crawford, or not Crawford, sorry, uh, Panhandle, not to sound rude, they had, they mailed it in second half there. If, if, or even second half of the, like second quarter, uh, they were done. You could just see out there, they were like, okay, we're not beating this team. Let's just like, like, I know Post is good. They're not 60 to nothing good better than a, a panhandle in a half. That That is like when someone starts to roll over and you're imposing your will on them. Because, yeah. And here's the other thing about that play that Nathan made. In that moment, probably wasn't as important because they were stopping him anyway, but there's going to be another play, another down, another time where if he makes that, it's going to be even more crucial. So, yeah, you always right. want to make those plays. And, of course, then they drove down the field to score and it was over. But I agree with you. That was a very – it was it's such a different way because first of all they've only given up fourteen twice this season. First game of the year against Tolar or Tolar, one hundred percent sure how to say it, and now fourteen in the state semifinals, mm-hmm. which is funny. Fourteen is almost like man, what happened to the post defense? Because we're so used to them giving up <laughs> literally six or zero. Yeah, um, these last few weeks they really killed my stat of they had given up fifty three points all year. It's still only sixty seven. That is still very right. very little. When you consider it's been 15 games, yes, and there are teams that give that up in one game. Exactly. Big 12. <laughs> exactly. So it's like, you know, that's very impressive uh, what they did. But what I really liked was once again, I, and this, I think this is a key for the Shiner game. Shiner is going to be the best team they've played all year right. by quite a, quite a wide margin. For sure. Shiner should win. Shiner's the better team. Does not mean Post cannot win, though. Does not mean Post uh, does not – have a shot. I think they have a very legitimate shot of winning. Mm-hmm. Uh, if anything, they can use the underdog role, which I don't think they've been able to use since last state championship game. So what's uh, your – why do you consider them an underdog? When I see the teams, it's simply because I think Shiner has played better teams and beat them worse. Okay. They played Refurio. I mean, they played Refurio, who was number two, and Tillman, who was number four, and dominated both of them. Now, Post is still a great team. In my opinion, in my humble opinion, we don't know the east side teams as well. 
But I truly thought heading into this year, Post is just as good as Refurio, if not better. I think Refurio got that second ranking because they are the defending state champions. They lost their best player off last year's team. I don't remember his name. He was the quarterback off that one. Oh, I know you're talking about. They did yeah. back Jordan Kelly. Yes. and, and the uh, state championship they're, game. They're still a really good team. They're probably the third best team. I just think because they beat Post, they got that nudge above Post. Right. But yeah. If you watch that game last year, I mean, one guy was doing – a lot of the damage. I mean, a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you take him off. You cannot convince me. You take him off, and they're still better than Post. I just Post is better than last year. I really do believe that. You even though yes, they do have multiple guys. You can make that argument about Ashton Jefferson though, and say that if you take him off the team, how does Post look? And yeah, like I said, they do have multiple guys, but generally speaking, Ashton is a guy that kind of gets them going as far as their offense is concerned. Mm-hmm. He, he is the main person, I would agree, but I do not think to the level that Refurio was last year, mm. Refurio was basically wholly dependent on a player where they could do other things. But without him, I, I understand what you're saying. Post is not the same team without Ashton. I would agree with that. I would not say Ashton is the offense. I would not say right. he no, is yeah. what they have, you know. Yeah. Yes, if they didn't have him, they're probably not in the state championship. I think that's pretty fair to say. If you just have Nathan – and Slayton and Crease, et cetera. Yeah, you're probably not there. You do need Ashton. I think he's probably the most important person to the offense, but I do not think it's to the degree that Refurio was last year where it's like, okay, this is the Kyler Murray of their team. Uh, he's <laughs> going to do everything, yeah. and the rest of us are going to be supplemental pieces around him. I would not say Ashton is to that level of like, hey, let's all surround Ashton and we'll win. I don't think it's to that level, you know? And that's why I truly thought if they played again this year, Refurio could have won. But I really thought Post had a great chance where there's not one guy who is just the best player on the field, so much better than everyone else. It felt like, in my opinion, Post was a deeper team. So I say all that. It doesn't really matter because they're not playing Refurio. But I do think the rankings were just slightly off in that way that I would have gone Shiner, Post, Refurio. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like a lot of people viewed that quarterfinal game as the state championship. And I don't think that's fair even if Shiner might be the best team, mm-hmm. Furio, I'm not certain is better than Post. And Post, let's just get back to them. They are better than last year. Oh, yeah, they for are, sure. We they are that. no doubt. As good as yeah. they were last year, and they were a really good team last year. I yeah. think this year's Post team beats last year's Post team by at least 14. I really believe that. Because the only thing that's better, everyone on the team is better. Mm-hmm. And then they lost Tatum. Tatum right. Thetford, very good player. That yeah. would pose some problems just because of his length and, you know, size. But that's it. Everyone else is better. I don't know if you agree with this, but Ashton's better for sure. But I think Slayton has taken a big step this year. He looks oh, so definitely. I think he's gotten a lot better in his passing game. And, and yes. even though, you know, he didn't have to pass as much because Tatum was there last year to do it, I think now that he has to um, do it, he's improved a lot. And I think I mentioned that before. But, yeah, I think all around he's become a, a better player for sure. I think he's tougher. I think he's a better thrower. I think he makes more of the right decisions, which happens when you go to that senior year, and he's one of the leaders of the team. And in the state championship game last year, if you remember, he got pulled for Tatum very early on and didn't get it again until late in the fourth when obviously Coach Pittman's like, well, I need to get Slayton some run for, you know, next season. Mm-hmm. That's not happening this year. Everyone, including Slayton himself, is under the impression of everyone knows who the quarterback is. Everyone knows who's going to be handling the ball and, you know, uh, taking the snaps. And I think you can really look across the board at the amount of guys they have. You add in a guy like um, Avery Clarkson from Abernathy that's 
bolstered the defense as well. I just think they have so many guys. And while, like I said, Shiner, I do think is the favorite and deservedly so, Post is a great team. They have the experience. Now, Shiner has historical experience, but as far as playing last year, Post was in the state championship last year. They had right. they, they have very recent experience. These kids have experience to pull back on. Uh, and it would just be such a great thing. I cannot reiterate, reiterate this enough, not just for Post, for all of West Texas, this would be such a massive win across the state if Post could knock off a program number one, the history mm-hmm. of Shiner, for Post in their second state championship appearance ever and second in a row. If they could go into Jerry's world and knock off the number one team, that would do wonders for them for, and honestly for all of West Texas football. Yeah, well, you look at it, and for the past two years, somebody from that district has been in the state championship but hasn't been able impressive. to get the job done. Yeah, which is great to get there, but then you look and you say, okay, you know, how do we not just get there anymore because that's become the standard, but how do we actually win this time? And I think, yeah, you're right. That would be really cool for them uh, to get years. That game will be at 11 a.m. Um, on Thursday at Jerry World. Definitely looking forward to uh, seeing that one unfold. Um but also, we have some teams that are just now getting started in playoffs. Um, man, Lubbock Cooper, I think, just scored again. They beat, they yeah. beat uh, Fort Worth Polytechnic. Ugh. I mean, you come out and, yeah, it, it was pretty over pretty quickly. They had a couple hiccups here and there. Um, you know, I think it was during the second quarter. And I don't think they had everybody even playing that game. Um but they put it away pretty easily thanks to uh, Rylan Wilcox, who just was all over the field, kind of doing everything. Um, we've kind of – that's been the, the MO of the season, though. Rylan has – you know, we knew how he was defensively. We knew what he could do on special teams. Added that um, offensive threat. They used him in a couple different things on offense, which is obviously what you want for your playmakers, but it just, Ryland just seems to be playing on a different level this year because I think he's now accepted that responsibility. And, you know, you kind of wonder sometimes with teenage kids, how, you know, they'll respond to certain things when they're tasked with bigger, bigger assignments, but it just seems like he's just like literally taking it and run with it. For the offense to take the field, having done nothing, and it's already 21 nothing because of a kickoff return, a punt return, a fumble return. I mean, my goodness, what more can you ask for? The offense like, you know what, guys, just take this out. We're just going to keep uh, giving it to Polytech, and we'll do something with it. We'll pick it off. And run. It's, it was so impressive to once again see the defense and special teams of, of um, you know, of the Pirates and just the level to which they play is, is truly unbelievable. And this is without, like I said, the offense, now they ended up playing well throughout, but they didn't even need them in this game. It was just, that's when you know you, a team is just outmanned. When it's like, it's yeah. not the offense just scoring, scoring, scoring. It's other sides of the ball that are just right. dominating you. And that this is honestly why I wish the delay, first of all, I wish there had not been any delay, but I wish the delay had maybe right. been like two weeks mm-hmm. where, you know, these teams, Cooper, Coronado would be in the, third and fourth round when we're around the state championship for post uh, mm-hmm. and kingdom prep, because it's like, man, you know, post had this 
grind-out game, and Kingdom Preps headed to the state championship the first time ever, and Coronado and Cooper won by a combined, like, uh, 90 points or whatever. Like, it's, <laughs> these first-round games, like, these teams are going to be outmatched. Like, yeah. talking to Coach John, he even said, like, Polytechnic, they've made the uh, playoffs a handful of times ever. Like, this isn't their thing. Yeah. Cooper is at home. They're a traditionally great program. Year in and year out, they are dominant. And these last couple years have been different. I mean, like, to a different level of dominance. Yeah. Like, state level good. I mean, last year, we all know they could have won the whole thing. So, uh, and who knows about this year? So, it it really is, like, it's great to see them, you know, just you see your team play that well. I'm sure Coach Darden's happy about that. You got to take it with a little bit of a grain of salt because, my goodness, they, it, they were so outmanned. It was, wasn't even fair. Well, and that's why I don't, I don't know that everybody played. Um, I think Holt Gibson started. I, don't, I think Cooper got in. Um, but I don't know that they had all of their, their guys for that reason uh, because you don't want to – and that's, that's no disrespect to the opponent, but you just kind of have to be realistic. Like, I can't remember who it was. It might have been uh, – Coach Wood there, Shalawater, that said, you know, you you can only tell the guys so much, but they see you on film and they know, you know, the opponents they're going to face. Um, so, I mean, obviously you want to pull your guys. Um, if it gets out of hand pretty quickly, you want to pull them and make sure they're okay. Um, but I love this quote that uh, Coach Darden had. Um, our Don Williams had to cover that game. Um, did me a favor, came down to, to high school from college since Texas Tech is done. Uh, Don had in his story. So Coach Darden says, I just told the defense, I held up my play sheet and said, y'all, y'all want me to throw this away? Talking about Riley, he goes, that's Rylan, man. He's explosive when he gets out in space. I thought that punt return was really just a great individual effort, just making some guys miss. Once he gets ahead of steam, he's pretty hard to stop. And obviously in reference to Rylan's uh, punt return for touchdown, and then he had a, a kickoff return for a touchdown. So um, just an all-around good effort. But, yeah, you're right. Like, then you look at, you know, Coronado, who started an hour later, ended up being, I think, like a three-hour three game. Stuart Robertson had eight touchdowns at halftime. And I think, like, 400 yards, something yeah, like that. It's a little over 400. It's like 445, something. Like, who cares? Right. He nine touchdowns and over 400 yards. I mean, good Lord. <laughs> Yeah, I love how somebody on uh, Twitter was like, did they not have anybody else to play? I'm like, <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like, yeah, they do. And Jet Carroll came in. Coach uh, Seth Parr talked about how well Jet came in and did. But, I mean, that's the thing. Like, at what point do you let – because, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I kind of wanted 10 just because of my OCD. And it's <laughs> like right there at it. 10 and 500, yeah. Yeah, but I counted Jets. And so – Coronado had uh, more than that because I think uh, Rod Perry came in and scored two in the second half. But just talk about a dominating effort. And it's funny because even talking to Coach Parr after he goes, yeah, we kind of start out kind of slow. I'm just like, really? Uh (laughs) You know, I wasn't able to go to the game, but I was just looking at it and I'm thinking, I mean, to score, was it 14 points in the first quarter or 21 and then to score 28 in the second quarter, that – Seems pretty legit to me, but, I mean, you have to consider this team and what they're capable of because, I mean, they're coming off of a, an emotional win against Tascosa, um, and it seemed like they handled their business pretty well. But, you know, just to, to be able to beat uh, El Paso, Bel Air was like 80-something at 28. I mean, just 
full on effort and man, you know, it, it's going to be exciting this week to see them play against Azel. They'll have another home game uh, this Saturday. Ryan, you were here in 2018 when they had that game. John made that, you know, that sports center catch. What do you remember about that game? Uh, what I remember about that game is that it kept feeling, man, are they really going to win this? Like maybe they're not going to pull it out, but then they do. And you're thinking, okay, wow, this team, you start to get that feeling of it's not, it was not like this year's team. This year's team is kind of like, okay, they're going to win most games they play. They're better than everybody. That one was a good team, not a great team. So that was more of a magical type of, oh, wow, they actually pulled this game out. (laughs) Like where uh, for the long term, you'd rather have the dominant one because that means you're better than everyone and you're going to go further. But yeah, absolutely. We still in the sports office talk about that Azel game two years later. And when I saw that was going to be the matchup, I didn't know. I was like, Azel is going <laughs> to win. Like, it's going to be Coronado and Azel. Like, you know it's going to be yeah. playing. But I, I will say with what Coach Parr was saying, I'm going to assume what he meant by they started slow. First of all, they never punted in the whole first half. So what I'm going to assume he meant by they started slow is the first two plays of the game, they took long shots. Mm-hmm. And they were right there. They either hit off a helmet or, like, it was good defense. They couldn't quite pull it in. And then they just slowly nickeled and dimed their way down the field. And it probably took them four or five minutes to go score, which maybe they were hoping for one or two play, you know, touchdowns, yeah. uh, which is what they're used to. But yeah, it, it will not be that easy against Angel. I fully expect them to win. I fully expect them to win comfortably. I do not think it will be like that, where even that score was not indicative of what happened on the field I mean yeah it's now my question was I don't know why Sawyer went in for his ninth touchdown in the third when it was already well out of hand but hey you know whatever that's not my call um well you do want him to play because and that's where it gets tricky because the thing is like you obviously don't want um anybody to get hurt and there's always that you know that careful thing of okay you know do we keep him in do we not but then also you also don't want them to only play a half and get used to, you know, not playing that much. So then when it comes to the big, yeah. you know, they're not in that conditioning. And I had heard someone say that about Borden County. Um, they obviously in six man, you know, you have the mercy rule or whatever. So you don't play as much if you're up, you know, by 45 points, or whatever it is um, after first half, third quarter, whatever. So coach Richie would make them run you know, to try to kind of make up for that. And maybe that's what it was. Just, yeah. you know, get in the, the second half, you know, do that. Because, I mean, he only played, I think, the one series in the second half that ended up in a touchdown. And then Jet came in and played the rest of the game. But that might be – I don't know. I, I just write about sports. <laughs> but I'm thinking maybe that might be um, maybe the, the thinking behind it as far as that goes. Yeah, and I personally have no problem with it. Uh, I can just see where someone from the outside like, wow, does he really have to get back in there? You know, but Coach Parr is not in the business of making friends or making people feel good. He is out there trying to win as much as he can so he can make it as far in the playoffs as possible. Right. That is what he is concerned with. I do not think uh, Coach Parr is like, well, how is this going to look uh, on us? Or, you know, I, I don't <laughs> think he cares. So, yeah. uh, I, I personally had no problem with it. But, hey, is, if it keeps him sharp, that's all that matters going forward because this might happen another one or two times, you know. Right. so. Um, I'm hoping for a little bit of a closer game just to, you know, enjoy it a little bit. But, yeah, like they, you know in these early games, both Coronado and Cooper, I mean, they're the much better team. Yeah. So that was an 82-35 to 35 win over El Paso Belair. They'll go on to play Azel. If they win that one, I'm actually really surprised at this area round game because I was expecting the other teams to win. Del Valle beat Monterey 44-43. to 
And then Red Oak be just Northwest 62 to seven. Yeah. Was not expecting that. Was not expecting that at all. So Del Valle and Red Oak will play one another. Um, that looks like, what is that? Friday the 18th? Mm-hmm. Friday, yeah. That'll be an afternoon game. Um, and then the winner between Del Valle and Red Oak will play the winner between Coronado Azel, which I agree. I don't see Coronado losing anytime soon. I think this one will definitely be more competitive. Um, yeah. In the matchup against Bel Air, but I do see them winning by at least uh, a score or two. Um, so then that game will be 3 p.m. on Saturday here in town between Coronado and Azel. Um, Lubbock Cooper is a Thursday game against um, Clint Horizon um, in Pecos, I believe it is. Yep. Um, so that will be those games. Um, that's our, our slate for the week. Should be very interesting. After this week, you know, we'll at least have – we'll have half the teams if Granite, Coronado, and Lubbock Cooper win. Um, so we're, we'll be down to two. That sounds so crazy to think. The season's been very, very long, but definitely thankful for it. Um, speaking of thankful, I'm really, really thankful to be able to talk to Dave Campbell, Texas football's Matt Step in the next segment. Um, he so graciously decided to join us, talk some football, what he's seen. Um, he's been on the post. He's been team post for a little bit now. He actually called their deep run um, last year. So post bold goal definitely has a, a fan in, in Matt Steps. So we'll be talking to him about the state championships, um, talk to him about some big schools, Definitely has uh, Coronado and Lubbock Cooper on his radar. He was actually at the Lubbock Cooper Alito game last year. Um, so we'll definitely get to talking about that. So be sure to stay tuned. Be sure, sorry, to stay tuned for my conversation with Matt Stepp. Ryan, it's been so much fun this year to be able to do these podcasts with you. So I just want to say I'm also thankful for you for coming on and, and rendering your services. Hey, thanks for having me, and thanks for coming on KLBK for our Top Performer Tuesday each week. That Obviously, that will continue through basketball and, you know, baseball and everything mm-hmm. like that as well. But uh, during f- football season, just – it's nothing against it's those different. sports, but for, for me personally, and I feel like for a lot of people in West Texas, it's the most fun. Uh, you know, just there's something different about that high school football, college football, Texas yeah. high school football. It's just a blast. So this has really added to it, and it's been a – it's been a really fun season and we've been lucky to have so many great teams to get to cover. You know, honestly, yeah. we've been really lucky with what we've got to cover. It's been a, it's been a really special season for sure. And I think that it's just a magnet magnified because of the pandemic and, mm. you know, being able to see uh, so many teams have so much success and even the teams like, you know, Lubbock high Monterey that have had to encounter some adversity, you know, just seeing the way they've been able to come together and really, you know, um, have that family kind of dynamic is really cool um but yes definitely another season down uh we're looking forward to at least a couple more weeks i would love to see our area teams the big schools get to the state championship and get to jerry world and have that experience um it's been a while since we've had um any lubbock area lubbock isd schools to do that um so definitely hoping for that one ryan final thoughts I've also wanted to say congratulations to Monterey. We talked about it last week. I know they didn't get the win, but just everything right. they had to battle with COVID this year. Um, still cool they got there, and that game was a heartbreaker with the, the snap going over the holder's head and everything, yeah. the way they lost. But still to get there, uh, really happy for them just 
that they were able to accomplish so much with losing three games because of COVID, you know, that's, that could mentally break a lot of teams. So it's really cool to see them earn that spot when they beat Paladuro and everything. But no, hopefully the season's not over anytime soon, but obviously it's going to get weird with Christmas and everything. But this week, Kingdom Prep and Post, both trying to make that history. And hopefully we'll be talking about Coronado and Cooper come the new year still. Yeah, absolutely. So good luck to our remaining teams. Um, Good luck to everybody who's already started the basketball season. I know district play gets underway for some teams. So we'll be keeping track of that as well. And so, like I mentioned, please stay tuned for my conversation with Matt Stepp. And thank you all for listening to another edition of the Lone Star Mercy Podcast. And welcome to the second segment of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast. I'm so excited today. We have Dave Campbell, Texas football's Matt Stepp, here to talk a little bit of post-football ahead of their state championship game on Thursday. We're filming this on Tuesday. Um, Talk a little bit about the couple big schools we have left, being Coronado and Lubbock Cooper. Coronado obviously still being undefeated right now. They'll play Azel on Saturday, Lubbock Cooper, We'll be playing Clint Horizon on um, Thursday. So we'll get started. Step, obviously, like we've mentioned before we started, uh, you've been team post for a little bit now. You predicted their deep run um, last season. What is it about them that you saw that showed you that potential? First off, thank you for having me, Alexis. Um, Always good to be on with you and chat with the folks out in Lubbock. Um, you know, from what I've seen from posts is, is very similar to last year. Um, this is a team that basically brought back the vast majority of their playmakers from a team that played for a state title last year. And really the, the experience that, that, that the bowl goal got last year by playing for that state title, I think made them the odds on favorite to, to win region one. And then obviously advance to the state championship. Cause we felt like, you know, the crew at Dave Campbell's all felt like whoever won region one out of post Cisco and San Saba and Panhandle, that mm-hmm. kind of quartet there was going to play for the state championship. And um, the way post played, especially in, in the Panhandle and Cisco games, just kind of really, um, you know, was a stamp of approval for us. We were like, this team is, is going places and, and they're just playing great football right now. I'm a little worried that they, they had a little bit tougher time with Crawford than I would right. have anticipated. Mm-hmm. I kind of thought they would they would handle Crawford with a little bit more ease. Um, so that's that's probably a little bit concerning. But but they've set the bar so high this year that it may be, may have been good for them to get pushed and mm-hmm. play a, a four quarter game and have to have to really kind of close it out late. You know that that touchdown I think that Pittman scored late in the game with about three minutes left kind of put that one away. That might be good for them to play four full quarters and really get in get into a battle because I think we're looking at them having a battle. Um, on Thursday morning against a, a really good Shiner team that we've had ranked uh, number one in the state all year. Yeah, and I talked to Coach Pittman about that um, for our preview, which will be out on Thursday. Um, and he said that he thought that was important for them to have to kind of battle because I looked and the closest game they had before that was a 19-point win. I think it was like the second or third week against Abernathy. You know, that like nine mm-hmm. points – is the closest a team has gotten <laughs> to post. Yeah, that's, that's not I – mean, in the grand scheme of things, I mean, you know, what's the rule? 
21 points and give up the sticks. I mean, it's almost a 21-point loss there. So yeah. uh, that's still pretty lopsided. I mean, if someone loses by 19, you're thinking that's a pretty lopsided loss. Right. So the fact that that was the closest, yeah, they really haven't. And I think they surprised a lot of people because maybe they thought Panhandle would be the one to kind of challenge them a little bit, you know, just because of how many points they were scoring. But that was just – I mean, that got out of hand really, really quickly. So, so Tepper and I, we, we, uh, my, my boss, my fearless leader, Greg Tepper, we were talking about that. Uh, we, we said that we should have taken your box score from that game and, like, frame it and put it in a museum <laughs> for, like, the most dominant football game ever because just that, that was the most – lopsided i mean post could have won that game 130 to nothing if they want oh, if they yeah. felt like it they could have um yeah. to hold an offense like panhandle i mean i think in, in 42 yards of offense for the whole game it was like four, one yard rushing yeah yeah just some just ridiculous I mean, and that's a really good panhandle offense like they had been putting up 50 60 points on everyone so post right. supposed to do that i think opened a lot of eyes and then it's turn around and do it again next week against cisco a really good cisco team that had dominated mm-hmm. every 2a opponent that they had run into all year to do that to post Cisco as well the next week, I think just speaks volumes to uh, the strength of, of this post ball club. Yeah, for sure. The thing I think, so moving forward into this state championship game, you know, you, you saw Shiner beat Refurio. I think Jordan Kelly actually got injured. What was that late in that game? No, it was like in the second quarter. He got, okay. I, I watched a good portion of that game online and he got okay. hammered, you know, I think when you look at Shiner, it, it, from a from, if you're a Post fan and you look at Shiner, you, you've seen the meme on Twitter where the two Spider-Mans are looking at each other <laughs> and like saying that's you look just they, they look just alike. Like Shiner yeah. looks a lot like Post. They go about their business in a very similar manner to Post. They're very physical. They're very fast. They're mm-hmm. going to line up and they're going to run the ball right at you. Um, this is a Shiner team that to me ha- has the best resume of anyone in class two, a division one. And I say that you look at Shiner's schedule and in the, the season opener, they beat Hallettsville by 10. Mm-hmm. And Hallettsville's playing for the three, a division one state championship mm-hmm. this week. And Shiner okay. beat him by Shiner beat him by 10. And they beat East Bernard, who was a top 10, three, a division two team. Yeah. Beat him in overtime. And Shiner had seven turnovers in that game and still won. Wow. So to turn the ball over seven times, and still win against a 3A Division II, a really good 3A Division II team, I think speaks to the quality uh, that the Comanches have. I mean, Dalton Brooks is a guy who has already gotten, you know, he's got an offer from Texas, you know, at this level. Oh. You know, he's he's a big-time player. Um, Doug Brooks, um, he's a 260-pound running back, which you just don't see at the level. He's got Division One offers. I know he's got an offer from Houston, uh, UT San Antonio. So you've got two Division One type running backs back there and that, if that last name is familiar Doug and Dalton Brooks are the cousin of Jonathan Brooks at Hallettsville who is the University of Texas running back commit so you can kind of oh, see the family, family bloodline there yes yeah, so it's gonna be a big day for the Brooks family uh since Dalton nice. uh, D- Dalton and Doug play uh Thursday morning and Jonathan plays Thursday night so it'll be a big night uh for, for that family and and, you know, Shiner, they've got a lot of other playmakers as well. And I think, you know, losing that game to Refurio last year, you know, they, they, they felt like they should have won that game. They were up two touchdowns late in the game, and, and Refurio made a miracle comeback and won the game and went on to win the state championship. So um, this is a really, really good Shiner team. They've been ranked number one wire to wire all year. Mm-hmm. Um, this is kind of their, their class, kind of like Post. You know, like I said, these two teams, super similar in a lot of ways. I think Post's big edge in this game is the fact that they played in this game last year. 
Yeah. They're not, they're not, even though it's a little bit different this year, obviously with the pandemic and the limited attendance, um, they'll still be a really big crowd. And the bright lights of AT&T stadium are just different. You know, if you've never played there before, um, even if you've never been to a game there before, when you walk in, you're like, whoa, this place is really big. You know, it, it kind of catches you off guard a little bit. Yeah. Even for me as a sports writer, I've been in a lot of stadiums. And the first time I walked in, I was like, holy crap. You know, so I can't imagine for a 16 or 17 year old kid right. to who, from, 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 from Shiner to walk into that stadium for the first time and knowing he's about to play in the biggest game of his life. Um, that's going to be big. And for post, well, we've been there, done that. You know, this is something we've already done. We're good. They kind of got all that out of their system last year. Last so year, right. I, that's the big edge for post going into this game. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's one of the special things about covering high school football, aside from, you know, seeing the budding talent is just like you mentioned last year was obviously post first year. I talked to Tay Perez, their nose guard and center. And, you know, he had never even been to a Cowboys game before. So that was like his first time ever being in that vicinity Um in that, in that space. And I think that's just so special, you know, when you, like you said, you know, these teenage kids that you see them play, but you have to realize they're still kids, you know, and it's just really, really nice to, to see them, you know, be so excited to, and that's why they play, you know, those type of games in those type of places. Um, obviously in central Texas, like some of the kids will play at uh, McLean stadium um, for that reason too, just to give them that experience. So I think that's definitely a factor that can't be overlooked. So, yeah, I guess for you, what are your keys for um, the game? You know, I know you mentioned post being there before, but what are you kind of looking for in that game? So when I, when I look at this game, I feel like the biggest keys are going to be um, who can control the line of scrimmage, which teams are – which because, te- you know, both teams are so good up front, and I think it's going to be a real – almost like a boxing match, especially early. I think both teams are going to kind of feel each other out a little bit and kind of see – who can get the edge up front. Um, that's going to be the key. I think, I think whichever team controls the line of scrimmage is, is going to be the biggest, biggest factor in this game. Post has got to account for Doug Brooks on that defensive line. This is a 260 pound running back defensive tackle. Who's really quick off the ball. And because of where he lines up on the defensive line, he can completely wreck an offense if he's not accounted for. Um, but what he does also is he takes up a lot of space, right? He, he, he occupies offensive linemen and, basically allow some of the other guys to flow and, and make plays in the football. So um, it's going to be up front. I think this, this game, it's old school football. It's going to be won um, in the trenches and, and whoever can control that port- portion of the game, I think has the edge. It's, it's real simple in this game, in my opinion, because I think everywhere else there's a, they're, they're really even, you know, mm-hmm. you've you got Ashton Jefferson for post, you've got Avery Clarkson, you've got the McDaniel kid. I mean, there's a lot of the playmakers on post, same thing at Shiner, you know, with, with the, the Brooks the Brooks uh, Brooks guys and, and, and Palmer, they just got a lot of lot of weapons as well. So it's going to be a uh, it's going to be almost like a big heavyweight boxing match to see who can kind of get the edge. Yeah, and you mentioned Avery, obviously a big one coming in from Abernathy. You know, we know what Abernathy has done in past years. So for him to come in, I think was huge for them this season. Um, definitely looking forward to that matchup. Be watching on TV. I'm sidelined this week. Sadly, I know. It's so sad that I can get to get a chance to see my buddy Alexis. So yeah, so you're not sad. you're not sending you're not sending Carlos out, are you? Because nobody wants to see Carlos. <laughs> nobody wants to see Carlos. We I was told we have a uh, Corey Hogue. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. Who'll be yeah, Corey. He he does some stuff for us. He's he, the, the, the folks in Lubbock will really enjoy reading Corey's gamer. He's a great journalist. He does, he does a fantastic job. Uh, good. Well, I'm glad he. 
that's good news to hear hear that from you. That means a lot with the shining recommendation. So definitely puts me at ease because, um, like I said, obviously that's unfo- like not ideal for me to not be there. But yeah, things happen. And so are, are you going to tune into the press conference on Zoom? Yes, I'll okay. probably be um, watching that one. I have to figure out how to get that um, that link or whatever that is. Um, but yes, I'll send it to you. Okay, sounds good. I hope the UIL is not listening. To this. <laughs> They'll be okay. I, mean, I, be I, know, I know people. I know people. There you go. There you go. See, that's how you roll with the best. Yeah. All the all the juice and the connections. That's right. That's right. So moving down, obviously, you know, with this season, we do have state championships going on, but still have some other teams that are just kind of rolling along with the big schools. We have two teams left in Lubbock Cooper and Coronado. Um, Coronado obviously putting together a really, really strong season that resembles to some people that 2017 team that made, I believe it was the regional finals or state semis. Um, Regional finals. Regional finals, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, had a, a good win over Tesco, so I got to see that comeback win. Um, the week after, I saw – oh, thanks. Uh, <laughs> the week I after, sent you the info. Yeah, there you go. Um, yeah, that was a super crazy six to eight days because just the week before that, I saw Lubbock Cooper overcome a deficit against Wichita Falls Rider um, and end up winning that district championship. So – Definitely a busy two weeks, but what are you seeing from from these two teams um, as far as, you know, the regular seasons and now heading into the playoffs? So with, with Coronado, we'll start in Division One. Um, this is a team that I think is right now is the favorite to win the region, in my opinion. I think with Sawyer Robertson and, and the way he's playing, um, he, he's a difference maker. But what separates this Coronado team from past Coronado teams is the defense. This mm-hmm. is a much better defense than, than Coach Pars ever had at Coronado. Um, I watched their game online against Wichita Falls Rider. They completely shut them down. For the most part this year, they've been really good, really solid on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. I don't look at last week's game and, and, and get too worried about the 35 points that El Paso Belair scored against them. I think a lot of that was against some backups and, and guys they were working into the rotation and that right. kind of thing. Um, they're going to get a test this week, though. This Azel offense is really good and really potent. Um, they've got a wide receiver committed to Boise State and Eric McAllister. They've got um, Jacob and Chris Lee, their quarterback and running back, who are really good players. This is a dynamic, up-tempo Azel attack. So whoever's covering that game, get ready to get your stat book. And, and you're, you're going you're gonna to be doing a lot of math in this game. There's going to be a lot of yards and a lot of points. Um, they played a couple of years ago in a classic game at Abilene Christian. Yes. Uh, in a game I was that I was at. I was at that game. I got a great shot. I need to send that to you. Uh, a great video of the wide receiver from Cooper Coronado. I can't remember his name now, but he was, laying on, the, he was laying on the ground and the ball got tipped and it landed right on his chest. And that was the game winning touchdown. And then Coronado blocks the field goal at the end and returns it the other way for a touchdown. Mm-hmm. It was a great ball game. Yeah. Um, this year it's a little different because um, Azel's got to come to Lubbock and play. And mm-hmm. that's just different for the Metroplex teams because that wind in West Texas, it hits a little bit different. <laughs> trying to throw the ball against that wind, if you're not used to it, um, it's a challenge. And typically when Metroplex teams have come out to West Texas to play, they struggle. Um, it's pretty rare for a Metroplex team to go into Lubbock or go into Midland or go into Odessa. Abilene, not so much because it's so close to the Metroplex. And I think right. they're going to Abilene. But you get to Lubbock, uh, Midland, Odessa. It's places are tough places for the Metroplex teams to win. So I think Coronado's got a great shot here. Um, 
it gets tougher after this, though, because they're looking at a possible third-round matchup with Red Oak. And for those of you who haven't seen Red Oak, I would describe Red Oak as a, as a 5A version of DeSoto. They're right there next to DeSoto, um, and they are loaded. Like okay. D1 athletes all over the place. Yeah, um, They are as talented as anyone in the state of Texas in the 5A Division One level. That will yeah. be a real test for Coronado in the third round if they can get past Hazel. So, but, you know, you expect that. You get later rounds of the playoffs, it's going to be tougher. You get into the, the, the better Metroplex teams, and the matchups get tougher and tougher every week. But I like Coronado's chances this week with the home game. I think their defense steps up. I don't see any – Hazel's defense is not great. <laughs> you look at Hazel's scores, and they've given up a lot of points a lot of the time. I, I don't think Coronado's going to have much trouble scoring against this Hazel defense. Yeah. You mentioned DeSoto. Ironically, the last undefeated team that I got to cover in Texas high school football was Midway in 2012, I think it was. It was like two years before uh, Terry Gamble went to Allen, I think it was, when they had Kramer Robertson and B.J. Kelly and um, a lot of those guys. And it was DeSoto that ended up uh, ending their run. So – Hopefully, I don't have that that juju on me anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, in Red Oak, I mean, if you look at the map, Red Red Oak is literally right next to DeSoto, so it's just yeah. a lot of that growth in the Metroplex has just kind of made its way down to Red Oak. And a lot of folks who normally would live in DeSoto have moved down to Red Oak. It's a little further out, a little more room, mm-hmm. you know, new houses, those really good school district, those kind of things. So Red Oak's become a very attractive place, and their football team has made great strides the past few years. Yeah. Gotcha. Speaking of schools that have made strides, you actually got to watch Lubbock Cooper and Alito last year in that game. Yeah, about I did. The, we won't talk about that too much because I think that's a, a still a little a little sore for for the Pirates fans, but still a little sore. You know what? Every time I talk to Coach Darden about it, he's super. Like, he's handled it so he handled it he's so great. well, and yeah, and he you know he just you know said you know we didn't agree with the call, but you know that's just stuff happens. You know, and it's just it's just a bad break. You know, he's yeah. Handled it a lot better than you would imagine. So, yeah, um, no, yeah, great. Cooper. Yeah, that was a that. Was, but I mean, this year we've talked about Cooper a few times in DMs and stuff. I slid up in the DMs and talked to you about about <laughs> Lubbock Cooper. Um, yep. And uh, you know, the thing that 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 has worried me has been their offense most of the year. I, I think their yeah. defense has been an elite defense all year. Um, offensively, they they seem to have been a little challenged, but it seems like as the year has gone on. I think they figured maybe maybe it started in the second half of that Ryder game. They kind of mm-hmm. figured some things out, and I think yeah. they they they. I think the biggest thing is they had to find an identity. They got to find absolutely. They, they got to find that identity, and I think they're starting to find that identity now. And I think some of their younger skill players are starting to get a little more comfortable in their roles, and and I think that's helping them out um, quite a bit. I think Clint Horizon's a nice story. I know Coach Melendez down there at Clint Horizon is a great guy. Um, this is, I think this may be their first time in the area around, or maybe only his first or second time in school history. It's a fairly new school okay. there outside of El Paso. Um, have had a ton of success, but they've, you know, obviously in El Paso, they've had a lot of issues just, just getting to this point and battling through um, COVID-19 and, and a lot of the restrictions there. I think this will be the first time that their fans are able to watch their kids play this year. Right. Cause of, um, yeah. so that'll be, that, that's going to be a big deal for them. Hopefully, um, you know, the folks in Pecos can maybe, uh, do something nice for the horizon kid the seniors, maybe do a little mini senior night or something. I may call coach Olson at Pecos and mention that to him. Uh, but I, you know, that, I think that, that'd be a cool thing. It's going to be nice for them. So they will be horizon is going to come out fired up. This is the first time they've played in front of their families. So that's going to be a big deal for them. They'll come out fired up. Uh, but I think that initial surge will wear off quickly. I expect Cooper to, to dominate and win pretty handily in that game. Yeah. And you, you 
you keyed in on it. The offense has been something that has been progressing um, through the season for Lubbock Cooper. I think one of the things that has been helpful is they kind of are now utilizing two quarterbacks. Um, I think they play off one another really well. You know, and not to say that they're competing against one another, but they want to do well, you know, so they can stay in. But they're also, you know, happy for one another. But I just think certain guys, and Coach Darden has said this as well, certain guys just work in certain schemes and executions um, at certain points of the game. And that's what you saw with Ryder. Um, you know, Cooper LeFaber started the game. Uh, Holt Gibson came in there in the second. I think he started the second half, or if he came in like on the second or third series, because um, Ryder had a really long series in that third quarter. So um, Holt came in after and really got them going. But then Cooper came in and threw the the go ahead touchdown. So it's almost like they play off one another, and I think that's been really important. But you also can't overstate how big it was to lose two division one guys, you know, with Isaiah Johnson and Nehemiah Martinez. Um, so I think that was a big thing because they did depend on them quite a bit. And even some of their other guys that weren't, you know, the D one guys, they, they mm-hmm. started on those guys. And so I think now they're at a point where they're having to learn a different type of running back. Cause judge Thomason, Ethan Elkins, you know, they're, they're different. And so I think that's been really important in their progress as far as just learning those guys, figuring out what works. Um, and they just seem to rise to the occasion really well when needed, um, which is, like I said, you saw that against against Ryder. And then for them to be able to close it out really strong against uh, Wichita Falls High. And then even, you know, this past week against Fort Worth Polytechnic. I mean, Rylan Wilcox has been a guy that has been all over the place for them. Um, you know, obviously we know him from playing defense. And then special teams a little bit, but he's even got involved in the offense a little bit this season. Um, and so I think that's been big. Even, I don't know if you saw Kobe McKenzie scored a touchdown a couple weeks ago. Um, so that was kind of cool for him just because I think that was his first offensive varsity touchdown. You know, and it wouldn't surprise me to see some extra packages on the offensive side of the ball put in for Kobe, especially as they get deeper into the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you're absolutely right with that. I think that might be something that they'd be looking into because obviously they see it works. And I mean, never hurts to have a <laughs> someone like Kobe. Mm-hmm. No, you, you put know. you want to put your best athlete in, in in position to make plays for you, and he's he's definitely that. So, yeah, I, I think I think we'll see that, especially maybe in a potential uh, regional final against uh, Ryder. You might see uh, Coach Darden unveil the Kobe McKenzie package. Yep, there you go. Looking forward to it. Well. You heard it here first. If it happens, we predicted it. I'm just there. You go. <laughs> so, right, that's right. What do you see the potential of this team being, or how far do you think they can make it? I, I think that I think this is a team that that can get to the regional final and play Ryder again. And I, and I think, as we saw in the first game, you know, Ryder and Cooper are is a, is a it's it's a pick and ball game. That's just one of those games where it's two really good teams, and you just flip a coin. Whoever plays best on that day uh, gets the win. I, I think. Um, I think the winner of that game – I, I can't see the winner of that game beating the Region 2 winner this year. Um, mm-hmm. I, I feel like Ennis is just – to me, Ennis is the team to beat in all of Texas in 5A Division 2, um, and that would be a tough matchup. But it would be, be a fun game if, if Ryder or Cooper played uh, Ennis in the state semifinal. But, you know, Ennis has got a tough road ahead too. they got a really tough game this week, and then they got to play potentially Alito uh, in the regional final, and they lost to Alito in overtime last year. So mm, That's uh, right. It'll be – that's a tough road. There's a lot, a lot of tough games ahead. I mean, you know, we're, we were talking about state championships earlier, and it's just so weird that now we have to kind of 
pivot back to area round playoff games. Right. And there's still, you know, five weeks left for the big schools. So it's a, it's a winning a state title in, in, in Texas is, is a really difficult thing because it's a slog through the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. And it's even just on top of that, been a weird season with this COVID-19 pandemic that's affected so many of us, myself included, with just, you know, having to make adjustments and, and figure out, you know, how to navigate this. We saw that with Lubbock High that got hit really badly. Monterey lost some games. Um, you know, Post lost two games um, at the end of the season and, and their first playoff game because of COVID and, and forfeits and things like that. So, you know, I think that just makes it even more special when you can, you know, get to these deeper rounds and, and make it to, you know, AT&T Stadium and play for those. So definitely shout out to all the teams that, that got through this season um, the teams that are still playing, the teams that have made it special seasons despite all the different adversity. Um, definitely happy for all of you guys. Um, going to go ahead and wrap this thing on up. But like I said, Steph, definitely appreciate you taking the time out. Um, any last thoughts, words of encouragement, wisdom for the, the, the folks in Lubbock and the Lone Star Varsity area? No, just, uh, you know, Appreciate you guys uh, supporting us at Dave Campbell's Texas Football. Um, our recruiting magazine, uh, Texas Football Rising, is going to be in stores soon. So if you're not a subscriber, uh, please go out and pick it up. And if you're not a subscriber, please uh, look into subscribing. I think it's a, a pretty cool thing. But also make sure you subscribe to uh, Lone Star Varsity and make sure you support your local newspaper as well because uh, folks like Alexis and Carlos uh, do a heck of a job in your local area and, and make sure you take care of them and support them. And your check's in the mail. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, thanks again, Step, and thank you all for listening to another edition of the Lone Star Varsity Podcast.